Hello. You sound tired. I sound tired. Oh, David, do you sound tired? I, I think I'm. I think I'm good. Yeah, you sound like you've been up for hours. Yeah. Well, did the siren an hour just now? An hour. I've been up for a half hour, and uh, I'll tell you what, I'm tired. I stay up late every night for some dumb reason. I don't want. I don't want the work day to end. I just want to keep doing stuff. Mm. Are you like me, where from? For what I do, the beginning of the day and the end of the day are the two most productive times for me. The middle of the day, I I get distracted pretty quick. Kinda, yeah. The middle of the day is just sitting in my car talking on Zoom calls and texting people because that's my office at the shop because there's no service. Well, we have the internet, but you know a lot of people don't have iPhones, which makes life difficult. So can't talk over the uh, what is that FaceTime audio. So if anybody wants to call me. In a daytime, call me on FaceTime audio. Because what happens is I meet up with people or I talk to them a couple of days later and they're like, you know, I called you like 10 times the other day and you never answered. I didn't even get I didn't even get the call. You know, unless they leave a voicemail, which most people don't do anymore. I don't know that they called. It doesn't show up as a recorded missed call. So if you don't have an iPhone, uh, what you got to do is go and get an iPhone. <laughs> if you want to get a hold call. of me, do not FaceTime me. I do not like FaceTime. <laughs> well, it's FaceTime audio. It's uh, not necessarily oh, just oh, the, the I got picture. You. I got you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know audio over the internet, and the clear yeah. the call's usually clearer. But if you don't have an iPhone, I guess we'll just meet up at the next hangout. <laughs> we had kind of a weird thing this week where the internet went out at at my house on Monday. And we were trying to do a bunch of stuff. Like, we're trying to shoot this thing with a, a video on a TV. And we were planning on getting that video from the internet. But then the internet went out. And so we couldn't end up shooting the rest of this mm. project video because we needed something on the screen that we couldn't generate. And then it was like, you know, well, we need to use this tool or we need to look this thing up. And it was crazy when you realize all of a sudden how much you rely on the internet to do like everything not just to do your job in general but specifically oh this and this and this and this is all connected and plus so we were out of we were out of internet until yesterday afternoon until wednesday afternoon i rely on the internet to tell me how to think <laughs> that's good you would have been totally bored the last couple uh, yeah of days. i don't, wouldn't know who to vote for I try to think, but nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird the last couple of days, though, just not having internet at the house and just trying to, I don't know, figure out things that I can still be productive on. Did cell phones work? Because that's usually an alternative for me here when it happens. Yeah, I'm in a rural area and that happens from time to time. I have pretty terrible cell phone service here for some reason. Uh, I don't know why. I've never been able to figure it out. Um, but because I'm not like out of town, I'm in town, but just something about my house. Uh, so. It was working, but not well enough to do, you know, like to send video files back and forth to Forby and stuff. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a hassle. And it's definitely a first world problem. Like, boohoo, I didn't have internet and couldn't do my internet job for two days. Yeah, I know. But yeah. it is strange when you have people working, you know, and we're all in the office and we're like ready to do work. And then we just kind of have to go, well, let's go play soccer. We'll wait a couple days. I don't know. Like... And then it turned out that uh, after the guy came yesterday to fix it, I thought, I just assumed that it was outside the house because nothing really changed in here. And oftentimes people will mow over some, you know, cable line that's exposed somewhere in the neighborhood and whatever my internet goes out for a couple hours. And it turned out that there was a cable line in the ceiling of my office that I moved over to make it extend somewhere else for something we're doing. And I guess something on the inside of that line broke Ooh. or like something because it was just creating all this noise within the cable network and was actually taking down the the uh, that couple houses near us. It was taking down their internet access what? because my cable was creating some feedback something through. The, I don't know. Maybe he was. You know, it's there. funny that uh, I have a, a cable. We buried like an in-ground cable. I think I told you that we broke it. The, oh, yeah. The backhoe guy yeah. broke it. And so I spliced it. My, my buddy, my buddy Ryan, who helps me around the house, he actually spliced it. And but there was like about two inches of straight wire that wasn't twisted inside of that little plastic coaxial, you know, thing that separates them. And each, this, so if there's 
eight wires. Each one of them is twisted around each other inside like a little uh, cross-shaped extrusion <coughs> that keeps them separate. So we had them twisted together and it worked for a couple of days. Then Patrick, my, my electrician friend, came by and he's like, yeah, the internet's not working. I'm like, it worked fine the other day. He goes, nah, it's just going to give you, it's going to give you inter, you know, intermittent. He goes, no, you got it, you got it. And so I ended up buying the couplings and the male and the female, and I did it. He goes, yeah, those wires need to be twisted for the for the internet to work. Hmm. And hmm. I, I honestly didn't believe him. I was like, okay, yeah, this is not true. This It's wires connected. And then when I connected it all together, when we connected it all together, he goes, yeah, see, it works now. I'm like, <laughs> I was... Whoa. Because hmm. like two inches of the wire were like untwisted and then pigtailed together so that we could make the connection. But once I cut both of those pieces of wire off and made a proper clicking connection and that worked, hmm. that's what fixed it. So those wires are engineered in a certain way. I'm not saying you, you didn't do anything except move it. So you probably just had some a bad piece of wire. But those wires are engineered to do what they do and the frequencies and whatever travels on them is physically happening because of the shape of the wire hmm. and i honestly That's was skeptical strange. and now i'm yeah. not skeptical i'm a believer now <laughs> well this was a, a coax cable so just a you know a cable cable yeah um so like the it's a pretty simple thing and i was thinking like well maybe i bought a cheap one you know and it just degraded over a couple of years because i put this wire in into the ceiling of this office when we uh, moved in here and so when he's like looking at the cable, he he cut the end off of it, and he's like, "Oh no, this is like a I don't know what he said. He was like, this is a quad shield, super tough max something something cable." I'm like, "Okay, sure. Is that a good you thing a, or a bad thing?" A he's like, "Oh no, this is good. This thing should be fine." I'm like, well, <laughs> I haven't had internet for two days, so it must not be that super tough max whatever. But anyway, so I ended up cutting this wire out completely and ran a new ethernet cable and we're good to go good that's interesting you want to hear a stupid story story of me not having internet for two days the internet here uh the internet here intermittently just shuts off and i I, I don't know why and they keep telling me that there's no problem but it happens like once a month and the other day it happened well a month ago it happened right while i was in the middle of a conversation i had an audition with tim allen and i went right up to the audition phase to like actually have a conversation with him and the tv producers i didn't get the job but it was pretty cool to say, oh, I'm talking to Tim Allen and Richard about that show that they're doing. I, I didn't actually get the show. But during the, we said, hello, nice to meet you. Great. Tell us about what you do. And then Tim Allen made a joke and he goes, your internet is horrible. And with that, it just shuts off. The call just shuts <laughs> off. I'm like, my internet is like, why is he? He's like making a joke about it. He said something funny. And now on the other side was him and Richard, the guy he works with on the show. And then several producers. So I was like, I was in a Zoom call with five people, six people. And I panicked. I was like, for all the times for this to happen, it happens two mm. minutes into this call. And I clicked the thing to see, because the internet has like a line through it. And the internet had a line through it, which means it can't find it or whatever the hell it is. And then my telephone, it had my telephone was emitting a hotspot. So I jumped onto my telephone hotspot and immediately got back into the call, not even 30 seconds later. But the panic that set in, where like the one time it doesn't need to not work, it didn't work. It could have happened five minutes after the 15 minute call. It had happened <laughs> yeah, right, right at the beginning, right the first there. three minutes of the call. Well, but you got the name like, drop. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he did. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't have made this. I was like on a call with some cool dude. He was very nice. We talked for a few minutes and that was that. I'd never heard from them again. It was a serious, don't call us, we'll call you. <laughs> but cool. speaking of hollywood i'm going away on sunday for a month oh, yeah so oh, wow it's going to be uh exciting to travel for for the first time since march so i'm going to california to shoot making it and when i get there it's so exciting i have zoom calls from 9 a.m <clears throat> until about 4 p.m Ooh, Yikes. that sounds really fun 30 minutes apart with all different people on the show how are you getting there so uh, I'm going to start walking after the show. That makes walk sense. There. <laughs> I, fly out, I fly out on Sunday morning. Yeah. Interesting. I would have loved to have drive, to driven, but there's just no time. You know, every time these things come up, there's just no time. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I'm doing things. The Catskill Mountain Maker Camp, we're doing like a soft version of it here. And most of the people are going to be online. We're doing a whole schedule of people online. So you could 
if it's Friday today, look at the Catskill Mountain Maker Camp Instagram to see who is doing what, when, and where in the country and in the world, in fact. And then, uh, so, but there are going to be some people doing that live stream here from the, the Blackthorn Camp. So I'm going to be involved with that right up until the minute I leave. So it's going to be a, a busy weekend for sure. Hmm. Crazy. Well, I hope that trip is good. I mean, I know it's going to be kind of a weird, you know, having to have a bunch of Zoom calls and then being, I'm sure filming will be very different than it was and stuff like that. But hopefully it's a still a fun experience for you. I think it'll be cool. I, I, I wrote to the producers, I said, because I usually have some downtime. I said, hey, can it, do you want me to make another rocking chair like I just made in my new video? And, uh, you know, with all my downtime and she writes back last night, she's like, you're not going to have any downtime. Don't worry about it. <laughs> she goes, I doubt you're going to have enough time to do that. So she's like, we have new plans for you. So I don't know what that means. Oh, mm. find out. Find out. Interesting. It seems like they would tell you that ahead of time if they have new plans for you. Like, be prepared to be this on camera or to, you know, accomplish this on camera. But well, whatever. I mean, they're, they're cha- they, what they're doing is they're changing up. Like the uh, the something about the contestants. I think there's going to be more contestants or something, and uh, so they just they just think I'm going to be more busy with the people. Gotcha. I think that's spread really, around. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Which is fine. That's what I'm there for. Hmm. So I don't mind. How are the How are the trailers going? Are you done yet with? Your yeah, today will be 500th done. Five hundredth trailer. Uh, today will be done, and thank God because so we just so I made. Everyone keeps asking me just to clear it up. I made five in the video, then I made eight, and then I made. 16 more so i don't know what that math is Yikes. 302 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i made 302 the first thing everybody wanders into my shop all my neighbors it's like a sitcom i have all these wacky neighbors that wander in all day long and like how many more you got to make that's like the question i get all day long and every single person walks in i just give them a different answer and, and aaron just giggles out yeah i gotta make 30 more 30 more yeah when did they have to be done next week oh my god you're gonna be able to do it i'm like yeah we'll be able to do it you know it's just, <laughs> it doesn't even matter you know you know when people ask you a question that doesn't matter what the answer is they just fill in dead air right mm-hmm. so yeah. i just fill in the dead air with stupid answer and they, they don't even care i could I could say whatever i want and they don't even care but uh i will be done with them they said we got a reprieve because while i was gone aaron and mike the guys that work on my shop we're going to have to make either 16 more or eight more. And they, they're pretty they're pretty well-educated on the process at this point. And so I was going to let them do that while I was gone. And then they said, slow down on the trailers. We'll, we'll, we'll pick it up again in a month. I said, that's perfect on me because now these guys can be more productive while I'm gone. They're going to rearrange the shop. They, they, they tell me they're going to do stuff. They, they tell me, you have no idea what we're going to do is what they tell me. Like, we're not going to tell you. <laughs> it's just going to be better when you get back. Yeah, what they tell me is that you don't need to know. That's what they tell me. Huh. Hmm. I don't they know if I could rule. deal with that mentally. Don't throw don't throw away my cool stuff. They, they don't. Yeah, how to. does that work for you? Like, do you, I mean, do you feel like you're losing a little control when stuff is just moved around underneath you? Or is it nice to have that done for you? <laughs> No, honestly, the older I get, the more. I mean, Taylor started to break me down with that because I'd come home from work and she'd be like, look, I rearranged the whole apartment and my like stomach drops. I'm like, oh my God, where are these seven things that I obsessively would make sure they were in the right spot all the time? Mm-hmm. And, and now I, I, I really don't care. Like it's, it, it just comes with old age. I used to be really more OCD about people touching my stuff. And now both uh, Mike and, and Aaron are much more organized than I'll ever be. So I just trust that they'll... They make good decisions and that's that. And then if I, you yeah. know, and uh, and Aaron's good with my materials and my sentimental stuff. He'll, he'll know not to throw anything away and he'll always know where stuff is now. Like he's been with us for at least six, eight months. And he, I say, where is this thing? And he, and he will have spent time going through the whole shop. He knows where mostly everything is now. Like it used to be bread. I'd be like, you remember that thing with the ball on the end? He's like, oh, it's right over here. Now Aaron knows where everything is too, just, you know, because out of curiosity, he just wanders around and looks at stuff and rearranges stuff. So it's great to have a, an extra, couple extra sets of brains to memorize where <laughs> stuff goes. And then yeah. while I'm gone, they, they, they might move some of the printing presses over to the other shop, which is prepared. The room is ready. Not the building, but the room that the printing presses are going to go in has is, is been ready. I just haven't had the time. So they might do some of that stuff. So it's good. So they're going to have time to just improve the area and so i'm looking forward to that i'm excited about that because i'll be i'll be like waking up from a, a coma or a dream or a long sleep <laughs> and then everything's 
everybody like folded all your clothes. It's like, oh wow. <laughs> I didn't even it's funny that, that that's the thing you went yeah, to no as kidding. like the really nice thing to be done. It's like somebody folded your clothes. The, the yeah. funny thing is, before we started the Skype call, I removed all my unfolded clothes from this futon behind me and just got them off camera so you wouldn't see them. <laughs> nice. I, I really appreciate that because it would have distracted me. I'm just kidding. It would not have distracted me. So that's uh, that's my next month. And I have yeah. to make several videos while I'm there. I'm, I'm gonna. I brought some leather tools with me, and I have to do a, a vlog, which includes an advertisement. So I'm taking some B-roll with me. I got a lot of stuff to do while I'm there. Hmm. I think yeah. I would enjoy that. The different environment, being forced to yeah. make videos, and and something that you, in a way, you've never done before. I think that would be fun. Yeah. It's challenging, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah, it seems like the the big challenge there would just be not having the things that, like your mind automatically goes to. I have this tool, or I have this setup, or I have this whatever, and then all of a sudden you have to figure out how to accomplish the same thing you want to do with nothing or with you know yeah. different. I guess that that seems like a pretty big challenge, especially in a hotel room. Yeah, well, the leather stuff I'll be doing on set. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make like a little leather project, but I'll do that on set. But it does it requires minimal tools. And then once the tools are set up, which they'll probably, I think they'll be set up by the time I get there. Uh, I'll, I'll think about something else that I can do. I'll come up with something else. Though I'm certainly going to find windows of opportunity to make little things. So, uh, and then that's that's a fun challenge in itself. Just making do with with less and trying mm-hmm. to be creative. You know, it's always a personal challenge. So. Cool, sweet. Well, David, what have you been up to? We just finished filming 10 ways to reinforce miter joints and picture frames. So I got to edit that. Um, I know in the, in the previous two picture frame videos, I promised we're going to make a, a new spline jig. And so that's number 10 in the video. So we do we make that spline jig at the end of the video. And then this Sunday, I'm, go, I'm racing and I'm going to film a vlog. Dan might be available to help me film that. So I, if he goes, it'll be a cool vlog. If he doesn't go, I'm still going to film it. It just won't be as cool. Um, nice. And then uh, I, I don't know what the next project video is. I need to make wedding rings, so maybe it's going to be that. It's October, and every year we make our wedding rings. And so, um, yeah, not. Do you have an idea? F- no, for those? no. Yeah. And that's mm. the most stressful part is coming up with the idea, not the making, not the yeah. showing Kelly or it's, it's coming up with the idea. Yeah. I was curious about that. Cause I mean, eventually you're going to have to run back through the sort of processes again, <laughs> yes. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's only so many ways you can wrap wood around copper or reinforce veneers and yeah. I don't know. I, I guess that's the fun, creative, challenging part of it is coming up with new ways to do it, trying to make it visually interesting every year for the camera. But you know what? This project's for me. I guess I don't have to make it visually interesting for the camera. It's yeah. It's the one project I do that's just for me and not for the audience. But um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. A but the one. audience is going to have to see those rings for ten minutes. You're going to have to see it every day for the next year. <laughs> yes. So. Except I, r- I rarely wear my rings. Um, oh, only when we go out. So Kelly wears it every day. So when you compare the two rings, um, you can tell you can instantly tell which one's Kelly's because it's worn out, and mine looks perfect and brand new and shiny and everything. So. Hmm. So in in another ten years or so, you can start recycling your rings. Yeah, there you go. And just make her a new one to yeah. match it. She won't even know the difference. Yes. Marriage hat. She probably will. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, uh, we're probably going to do a lot of smaller little crafty projects leading up to to Christmas and try to just do little things that you can make for gifts and stuff. You've done a lot of things like that in the past, where you've kind of done mm-hmm. gift preparation type stuff does that stuff do those videos work out pretty well very very much so yeah they they tend yeah. to do well this time and then um twice now i've done a little compilation video of like 10 christmas gifts you can make and they're just like little highlights of each video those videos always do well and then they if you want to dive into those projects more then you can click through and go to that particular video so pro tip if you're if you're a youtuber do little compilation videos for yourself 
my ten bottle my ten bottle openers always does well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. More like that. Any any kind of list thing does well. Uh, man, so I got my hopes up. My brother called me and said, "Do you remember our old art teacher, Mr. Real?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, he was he was a cool dude." He's like, "Well, he's got a whole bunch of wood in his barn." He said two five foot stacks of wood that he's had for thirty years that uh, he wants to get rid of really cheap. And I got my hopes up. I'm thinking like I've got a lifetime supply of walnut come in, and and I'm going to be set. And uh, so we went to go pick it up yesterday, and it wasn't as much as I thought. There are two three foot stacks, um, two layers deep, but that's still a lot of wood. And uh, the one was black walnut. The other one couldn't quite figure out what it is. It could be elm. Um, I'm going to send some photos to my buddy Brian today, see if he can help me identify it. And then, uh, But it's all rough sawn, so you can't really see what's going on. So I'm excited, mm-hmm. and I get it back home. And then I start running the black walnut. These are like two-inch thick boards, anywhere from like five to eight inches wide. And I'm running it through, and it's all like it's rotten. Like, I think the tree was dead when they cut it down, and so it's all spalted. Uh, And then bug holes. There's no bugs in it. I think the bug holes were when the tree was still standing. And uh, it was disappointing. Like, none. it's all ugly. None of it is very usable. Uh, You could probably get a couple boards out of the middle of some other boards. It would take a lot of work to get some useful wood. So we had to... I felt so bad. My brother had to call back our old art teacher and said, yeah, half the wood is is no good. And he felt bad because he's going to give us some of the money back. And then we feel bad for, we gave the dude money, you know, and he's this, this older, sweet gentleman. And now we, I don't know, it just, everybody feels bad about the situation, but, hmm. you know, oh, well. And shame on me for getting my hopes up. I really thought I was landing on a lifetime supply of walnut, but <laughs> oh well. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but um, I know, like when Josh first moved here, he found a bunch of uh, walnut, and he found a, a couple of different types of wood. I don't remember what they were, but on Facebook Marketplace, this guy had like a trailer full of walnut and a trailer full of this and a trailer full of this. And so he ended up getting that really cheap. And a lot of it was stuff that, you know, is in pretty bad shape. But he's gotten a whole lot of good, solid walnut out of that. And he used it for a lot of different projects. And it was a few hundred bucks or something. And he's even turned around and sold, resold a lot of it after it was kind of prepared. So if you can find it like that, mm-hmm. you know, in bulk, where somebody just has more than they know what to do with. like you can It, it happens a quite, it. quite a bit. Uh, I, I remember Josh showing me photos of it. A couple of years ago, I'm like, oh, that would be a dream. The problem is I don't have a place to store the wood. And um, this was a bunch of wood that we were going to get real cheap. And I was like, that's a problem. I'll just, I'll figure out where to store it when it gets here, you know. Um, but you'll see on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, somebody has a, a shed or a barn just full of wood. And it's like, come get it all for $400. And then you're, you're set. Um, so you just have to look out for it and be ready. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the people who, who mill this stuff and then it just sits in the barn, the family that goes to sell it, they think it's worth mm. thousands of dollars. Mm. And that's why it's been sitting there for 30 years, because they're waiting for the guy to come along and be like, I'll buy it all for $25,000. Mm-hmm. They think they think that's what it's worth. They're like, that's really good wood. Do you know how much it's worth? I'm like, yeah, it's worth $100 in five days of my time, about just about. Yeah. you're taking advantage of me. It's worth more than that. I know it is. I'm like, all right, it's going to sit there for another 25 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's tons of that up here. People all the time, they like, hey, do you use wood? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, I got a whole barn full of wood. I mean, it's really, it was, you know, it's the best wood ever that was put in there 30 years ago. <laughs> it's like every other tree ever. Mm. They're all trees. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Well, let's see. For me, um, we've been working on kind of a big project that will be out in a couple of weeks, and it's it's gone on and on and on, and we finally finished it up yesterday after we got the internet back. That was handy. So we were able to finish that up, and uh, it'll be out in a few weeks. Next week, we're actually going to take the week off and not put any videos out to try to you know build up some space between the next several. But this week, we made a bits video. It's been a very long time, like maybe a year, maybe not quite a year. 
since the last bits video, but this one, uh, we're kind of trying to restart that a little bit. We made like a new kind of set wall for behind us, behind me. And, uh, I think it, it turned out really good and we get a lot of questions about specific things. So we're just trying to address, you know, those questions through the bits videos when they're applicable. So we made one of those for this week, taken off next week, and then we'll have a big project out the following week. Hmm. But also I recorded a brain pick podcast. Past what? Week. I don't know if you remember that or I not, did. but you, <gasps> you two were the first two. I don't remember who went first, but you were the first two uh, <laughs> people to ever be on Brain Pick. Hmm. Yep. It was an old show that I did, and I, I haven't remember. done one in over four years. I realized that's crazy. Hmm. But anyway, it's coming back. I've been wanting to do that for a long time, and uh, finally started recording new episodes. Hmm. So that will be out. Probably not this week. Probably next week, sometime, or maybe the following week. But yes, I don't. I don't want to steal any thunder here. But we were uh, rearranging some things on the wall, and I pulled down the Jimmy poster. That uh, if it looks straight, it is straight. <gasps> and on the back, it's it's you know it's signed Jimmy, and it's like my fir- my very first print ever. And then some date two thousand sixteen. And no kidding. I was like, oh yeah, I've got Jimmy's first print. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That is cool. Wow. I, I remember that conversation, right though. I remember you got number one and I got number two. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> thanks for that. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm happy to have either one. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what we've been doing. It's it's a lot of, like, restarting some things that, you know, I, like the bits and brain pick both, I think, are things that we wanted to get back to for a while. It's just been hard to justify, you know, you know, with everything else, it's just hard to make certain things a priority. Is your first guest but Tim Allen? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because oh, I because I know him. I talked to him on, on Zoom. Yeah, I talked to him for five minutes on Zoom yeah. one time. Yeah, and the um, internet broke. No. Who, yeah. who can you say who it is, or is it a surprise? No, nah, we'll wait a little bit. It's uh, it's somebody you know. Maybe I'll say in the after show because oh, actually, yeah. Brain Pick is going to have to have an after show as well. Oh, okay. we're going to do like extended conversations. You stole what your own for? idea. I did steal my own idea <laughs> that I stole from somebody else. Right. I didn't come up with it. But, Wait, yeah. we didn't trademark after show? Oh, what? I don't, I don't think we did. Oh, man. Now the TV show that you're doing in California is going to have making it the after right, show. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I had a conversation with somebody the other day who was like the typical person who would say, I said, he, you're going to California? I said, yeah, you know, one of my neighbors. And he goes, what are you going to California? I said, I'm going for the TV show making. He goes, isn't that the name of like your YouTube channel? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's the name of my podcast. And he's like, so did they steal it from you? I was like, not exactly. I was like, it's a little bit more complicated than that. <laughs> exactly. It's a little more complicated than just steal you. He goes, well, you must have made a lot of money then. I was like, uh, no, 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 no. They, they used the name. We made an agreement and they used the name. He goes, oh, 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 oh you must have really cleaned up. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yep. I cleaned <laughs> my I made hands. Three billion dollars. <laughs> but that's like what the average person would assume. Like, well, the, yeah. I mean, I kind of assumed when that conversation started, like, oh, we just bought a house. This is going to pay for the house, and we got <laughs> right. we got no money <laughs> after all the negotiations. We just both agreed to use the name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was well. a funny conversation. But I just in trademark news, I, I, we don't really have like a super topic today, but in trademark news, now I, I, I've been doing YouTube now for nine years, exploiting my own personal name. I finally got a trademark on my logo, the spray painted one that I do oh, and, nice. the, and the written word. So I'm going to go after all my cousins now legally. Family reunion is going to be awkward. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my name is now trademarked. I, I'm supposed to put a little TM next to my name, which will annoy the haters that love when I spray paint my name and everything. I put a little TM in all the spray paint now. So what you now have to do is create a little stencil of just the TM, and you have to remember all of the people's shirts and backs <laughs> go and back. legs and lawns and everything that you've ever spray painted your name on, you have to go back and add your trademark to it. See, I have here in front of me an eraser. I'm going to carve the TM into the eraser and then like walk up with a stamp pad and just stamp <laughs> oh, there the you corner go. of Oh, shirt. nice. That's a good idea. Look at that. Tiny project right there. You could do that in a hotel room. Yeah, that would be brilliant. <laughs> I can. That would be a good one. TM. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, exciting. Then I finally have my name trademarked. Is there, 
I mean, I know there's reasons to do that, but is there like a specific, was there a driving factor to, to making well, that a Well, when I met and, Andrea uh, Evans, who's my trademark patent attorney, and she's somebody now I can rely on. She's uh, very, she has a great reputation in the business of in the inventing world. And she's, her office is amazing. I mean, she must have a great staff and she's also extremely, extremely smart and knowledgeable because she's been doing it for so long. The type of person you could show somebody to something to and she'll go, oh yeah, that's been trademarked. Cause she's has experience. She's seen so many mm. trademark and patent searches. For instance, when the when pandemic start, I, I hated putting my mask on and off because I had the ones that pull over your head. So I made one with ear hooks. So I made like this spring wire thing that hooks on your ears, but goes across the nose of like the N95 mask so that you could just pull it off. You just like grab the wires on the side of your head and pull it off and then hook it back on. And I was like, this is, this is potentially be a new invention, but I know how the invention business is and several inventions are already, everything's already been thought of by somebody so I asked Andrea, I was able to just send her a message. You know, I paid the office it was a few hundred dollars for a patent search. And she sent me back like about three weeks later, a full patent search of every one of the 10 or 15 different patent versions of masks with ear hooks dating back to like the mm. turn of the century, like dust masks that hook on your ears, like right up until like you know, the mid 2000s, people have been trying to patent this. So they have patented it, but, you know, marketing it is a different story. That's one thing that, you know, people don't realize when you patent something that's exclusively different than marketing it. You could patent stuff all day long and then sit around and wait for someone to use that idea. And then you, know, you could then go after them legally, but that costs money. But when you patent something and market it, that's two different things. And not everybody who patents stuff knows how to or market stuff. So anyway, the, the hook, the ear hook mask, it's basically like a, like an eyeglass frame with a mask on it was patented. So I didn't pursue mm-hmm. it any longer, but I still wear this Fakakta mask when I go in the stores. I look like I have a, like a, a, a night brace on because it goes like across the mouth, but there's a mask and not a night brace in my mouth. No. But uh, the importance of trademarking your name is just to protect it, especially if you have a unique name like. Bob, you're trademarked, aren't you? You must be. Yeah. 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 If you have a unique name like that, that's uh, you know, that other people can fall on. Like I never trademarked my name because it was just my, my name. I was like, and Andrea's like, no, no, no. And then shortly thereafter, there's Duresta Machinery that popped up. Did I tell you guys the story of the Duresta Machinery? This, yeah, the other site. I don't know if I, I yeah, I don't know if I told it publicly, but I said sent it to Andrea. I was like, should we go after these guys or at least try and you know negotiate something with them? And she's like, yeah, well, she was like, and she came back to me. She's like, I researched, I can't figure out any way to get in touch with the guy. So I went to his community page and I just said, hey, send me an email, jimmyderesta at mac.com. And then the next morning I get an email. It's like, hey, this is the guy from Duresta Machinery. You asked me to email you. (laughs) It was that simple. And I wrote back and then I just, and his name was like an East Asian name. And I just copied and pasted his email and sent it to Andrea. I was like, this is the guy who, is in charge of that website, the rest of the machinery. Hmm. And, hmm. and she's like, okay, I'll email him. And, and I said, let's, instead of like demanding, he take my name down. I said, let's uh, see if, you know, he'd do like a revenue split or something, if he'd be willing to do that. And we ended up, uh, he, he wrote back, he's like, the rest of it, even though his email says this East Asian name, which I could never repeat. <clears throat> he says, my name is David Duresta and this is my thing. This is my, and, and then he signs it with the name that isn't David. It's like, he was just, I think he's weird. My gut feeling is he was lying and he was just using my name just because it was a popular name on YouTube. And we went hmm. back and forth and we said, well, the name Duresta is trademarked on YouTube and you, you technically can't use it without an agreement. And he wrote back, he's like, well, then I'll change my name. It's, it's no problem. And, uh, so we ended up actually not being able, like he didn't fight, like he didn't fight back and he didn't care that like we, and we didn't want him to use the name. I don't, honestly, I don't even think he changed it with the conversation just faded away once he's like, oh, you don't, all right, I'll just change the name. It doesn't matter to me. And it was that easy, but I was hoping that hmm. he'd be like, if he was really stuck on that and he really needed to keep using the name, I was going to say, you know, let's do a revenue split and not, I don't want, because his, the Duresta Machinery logo is in, 
hundreds of his videos. They're like in the opening of the video. You know, like if I really wanted to be a pain in the butt, I could literally enforce him to not use any of that, which, you know, I I don't really want to do that because his videos are entertaining and he's not exploiting my name in a way that's like direct degradatory. But the funny thing is, is sometimes you read the comments under his videos, like, I thought you used to make stuff. Now you just film things at factories. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, that's the problem, though. That is the problem. It's not, it's it's like a dilution of a brand so that people coming to it don't know whether it's you or him. And that's, that's the reason that trademarks are actually there, not just so that, you know, it doesn't make you look bad. Right. It's, It's market confusion. Right. Exactly. And so I honestly, I haven't looked back lately. A few months ago, I looked and he still hadn't changed the name. He might've changed the name by now, but we didn't enforce it. We didn't, you know, like once we realized we weren't going to be able to kind of like do a revenue split with him or something, we just said, forget it. So whatever, yeah. doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, and like I say, he's not putting up things that are, you know, out of my wheelhouse. You know, it's actually kind of cool. I just was hoping to get some of the revenue from him, but whatever because hmm. he like every one of his videos goes viral because it's you know bicycles getting crushed and recycling machines and you know all these factory recycling processes hmm. so i had a really interesting uh conversation with my son my second son he's nine and uh, a couple weeks ago he had this idea so he and my dad got to talking about magnets and then maglev trains and I don't, I'm not going to give away his idea. I mean, I'm going to give away his idea, but it's not a, an idea that anybody could steal. So, <laughs> But they got to talking about how uh, electromagnets work and maglev trains and different things like that. And so he comes to me like a couple of days later and he's like, I have an idea for an invention. So his idea was to make a little cap, like one of those brain things that you can control stuff. I mean, this is the level of detail he's talking about. So it's like a thing you put over your head and then it lets you decide how you're going to do things and then you have a floor of electromagnets so that you can take something heavy and you can think about where you want it to go and you can move things by controlling the magnets underneath these heavy objects to move you know whatever and i'm like that's a great idea you know yeah yeah so i'm like that's a that's a great idea so what's the plan here is like well you know i want to just make that and i'm going to have to learn a few things to figure out how to invent that. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, you got to learn some neuroscience and you got to learn some programming and you got to learn. And we go through this big long list. And he's like, okay, so what's neuroscience? I'm like, okay. So we talk about that. We go really far into this. Here's a bunch of things that you're going to eventually have to learn or work with somebody who already knows. And, and then I'm like, yeah, but you also could patent this. So then I go through the whole process of explaining patents to him. And then you license it to somebody else. We talk about that whole process so that he's making money. Somebody else is actually producing the thing. And so we talk about this entire long process. And he's now at a point where on his in his mind, he has to learn about uh, programming and mechanical engineering and neuroscience and patent law and licensing and marketing and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, okay, so what's the idea here? What's the purpose of this? And he's like, well, I think I'm going to go the route of just licensing the idea to somebody and then the money that I get from that, I can use to buy a phone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, you're like a sweet, like nine-year-old kid who has no idea about anything. It's it's wonderful that all of that was just a way to be able to make enough money to buy a phone. That's great. Mm -hmm. You can sell chocolate bars and do that. He doesn't have to go through all the process of all that other stuff. Yeah, I, I, I was telling him, I was like, you know, you can mow lawns <laughs> and spend a lot less time to get the phone and then you can use the phone to help you make your invention. But it was really cool to have a, an idea that came from a kid and then be able to use that idea as a way to explain a bunch of stuff that otherwise, like, we're never going to talk about patent law. We're never going to talk about, like, you know, neuroscience abstractly. But as it applies to this idea that he had, I'm like, well, you have to figure out a way for your to get the impulses out of your brain that happen, you know, so that you can turn them into this thing. He's like, oh, well, what is that? Like, how does the brain work? And we got to talk about a bunch of cool stuff. Part of that was, you know, patent and trademark and all of those licensing and stuff. So it was it was an interesting conversation. But anyway, um, I don't know what else we got going on. Uh, 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 this is, this is our first lull in 280 shows 
Well, have you taken any of your your ideas, yeah. Jimmy, that you've like of the the products? I, I know an ice pick is not something you could patent, but is there like some version or mutation of one of the products that you've made that is worth? Maybe you w- wouldn't want to say it here. But well, I'll tell you, pursuing a patent around. We are trying to. I got a team of guys, a small team of guys. I think they were, I think Brian was in one of my vlogs a couple months back. Brian and his team took the barbecue, the scissor lift barbecue, and they're trying to market it. And they have a cost from a factory at this point. It would be made in America. The cost came in extremely low. We're like, maybe they, maybe they don't understand what they're making because it came in like 80 bucks for a barbecue. Like, no, no, it's it's type of thing we're going to try and sell for like four or 500 bucks. And we didn't expect it to come in so low. I, I, my numbers are off a little bit because I don't remember exactly, but we got a first cost from a company here in uh, Northeast that would make it, and it would be my scissor lift barbecue. And we got a provisional patent on it. I think it's a provisional, which means we have one year to decide if we really want to go forward to make a full-on patent on it. And it's funny because when I was sitting with Andre and I was showing her some of the inventions that I sh- that I show on my YouTube channel, and I'm drawing a blank. It seemed that night when I sat with her, I was able to show her like five things that she thought were all patentable, but I can't even remember beside the barbecue, anything else. But she's like, how long has that been up? And I said, oh, it's going, like, the, for instance, the barbecue is the one. She's like, oh, it's only been up for like nine months at the time. And she's like, oh, you still have time. Because once you publish it, you have one year to decide whether you want to patent it. After it's been published for a year, then I think it goes into public domain. I could be wrong. I forget exactly what the reasoning was. Hmm. But if you publish something, that's a unique thing, like we do on YouTube every day. And you don't patent it or or basically lay claim to it within the year, then then you can't lay claim to it. And I don't think anybody else can either. Uh, something like to that effect. We're going to have to really research that. i got to get a more even explanation from her, a more explicit explanation. But even Brian knew the same thing because when we looked at the barbecue, he's like, how long has this been up? I was like, oh, maybe June last year. He's like, oh, we still got time. We have like one month left to patent this. And, and he went straight forward and ran into it and did it. Uh, so... I personally like <clears throat> the recently I did the, my last video where it's this twist lock boot knife. I don't know if that's patentable. I to me it's more important to put the video out than to sit on the patentable concept because I, I I also like the idea of just doing these ideas and moving forward to the next one, doing them and moving forward to the next one instead of you know some guys I meet behind the scenes that I do design product convo- consulting with they'll sit on an idea and it becomes their life. And, you know, it's almost sad because they're obsessing over this thing. Um, you know, if if we could, if we're going to talk about patents and inventions for a couple of minutes, the funniest thing it happens every time, we must have talked about it before, but this happened to me this week. A friend of mine called me and he said, <clears throat> he goes, hey, I got a great idea. It, I'm hesitating because I'm afraid he's going to listen to this, but <laughs> I'll go forward. I'll, I got a great idea. I was walking and I was holding an umbrella and I needed to text and I had a hard time texting and holding the umbrella. What about an umbrella that's, you know, strapped to your body? And he said, you know, you could take that idea and you could sell it on your, your website. I was like, look, I, I shut him down straight away. I'm like, I don't sell those type of products on my website. I said, it's, it might be a valid idea, but I'm not going to sell a, a hands-free umbrella on my website. I might have a lot of traffic, but Traffic comes to me for my unique, weird things, my posters, my knives, my ice picks. No one's going to be looking for an ice pick and go, oh, a hands-free umbrella. Let me buy the Duresta hands-free umbrella. It's not part of my marketing makeup. And then when we got off the phone, I Googled it, and there was like four versions of it. But he thought he had a, he thought he had a new invention. So the most important thing, and it is the most basic thing, people get so wrapped up in the idea that they just get blind. I said it here. I said it somewhere recently. A friend of mine contacted me and said, hey, these friends of mine want to make this invention. And I said, oh, well, that sounds like something that could be made. And then I Googled it after we got off the phone and I sent him five links to the invention that was already done. <clears throat> so that just negated everything. And I just assumed the conversation ended there. And then he emailed me like three weeks later and goes, hey, any thought on that invention my friends want to do? Right under the five links because it was the last time we spoke. I was like, didn't, don't those five links above this conversation mm. negate the, the need and want to go forward on that project? And he said, no, yeah. they still think theirs is different enough that they want to do it. I'm like, all right, I know from my patent experience that it's not different enough. It's in fact not different at all. 
But I said, you know what? I said, I can't help you because I don't think that it would be unethical for me to take that or get involved in that and find somebody that could make the prototype for this person that doesn't know any better, you know, for thousands of dollars. And I said, I, my, my professional's opinion, they should just abandon the idea and come up with something else. First time inventors, hmm. never ever invented anything in their life, saw this low hanging fruit that everybody in the whole entire world is being exposed to. It has to do with the pandemic. And said, oh, this is a great idea. And they're locked onto it. I can't, hmm. I can't knock them off of it by showing them five versions of it that already exist. They think their idea is unique. So, you know, a lot of guys have that. It's the most important thing is just go straight to, like I was talking to somebody once, he said, this is about five years ago. Hey, wouldn't it be great? Somebody called and contacted me and said, hey, I got a great idea. Diapers that like make an alarm sound or, or contact your phone when the diaper gets wet. So you don't have to like wait for, to know that the baby's sitting in a wet diaper. And I told my brother, I'm like, that's actually a pretty good idea. Because <laughs> I wasn't going to be involved. And, and I was not done describing the idea. My brother said, it's on, it's on Amazon right now. I just Googled it. You could buy it. <laughs> Should I buy it? Should I send them to you and the guy? You want me to send them to you? I was like, yeah, yeah, send me some. <clears throat> <laughs> So it's just the internet, you know, Bob, Bob's going to have a hard time with this, but the internet is really important and you need to research stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My internet will give me trouble with that. It's funny though, because I I would say that you can look at that two different ways. So if you have an idea and you Google it to see if somebody else has done it, if you're one type of person, you could see that it's done and be like, well, oh, well, going to scrap that idea completely. And then if you're a different type of person, you could say, oh, well, these people have already done that. So let me figure out a way to modify what I'm thinking, you know, to make it even more unique or to make it serve a slightly different purpose. So you could use the stuff that's similar as motivation, or you could just let it throw you off from the idea completely, which I think is probably not great. Um, I know like when I have an idea for, you know, so I don't know, like I did a a way to carry a canoe recently. And I know that there's a bunch of them out there, but I intentionally didn't go look to see how everybody else does it because I didn't want to just do the same thing just because I had seen it. Now, knowing full well that whatever I came up with was probably already going to have been done somewhere, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't going to be just making something that was directly derivative to something else that I had seen. So I also knew going on into that, that whatever I came up with was not going to turn into a product. It was just a thing I wanted to have for me and my canoe. And so I wasn't worried about coming up with something that was so unique that I could eventually turn it into a, you know, a product or uh, something patentable. So I think it kind of depends on what your, your purpose is there. I just wanted to make a thing there without the, uh, the worry or the intention of turning it into something that could be sold. But I think if that was your goal, if you really want to come up with an idea that has to be or that could be patented and potentially sold as a product and everything, then you're going to have to do a huge amount of research. Because like you're saying, Jimmy, the first level of Googling is going to show you the low hanging fruit, the stuff that everybody else came up with. But patent lawyers and all of the research teams that they use go way deeper. They don't just Google. They like (laughs) it's a whole nother level of the example of my my ear hook mask. And now I have another invention for a mask, which, cause again, I just hate, you know, you walk into a store, you got to like hook this thing on your ears. I like the, the, the firm kind of molded masks and I'm going to make one. I'm giving this invention away right now because it's not really practical. Uh-oh. I'm going to put a mask with like a little, like a, like a little tooth grabber right in the middle. So in the handle, you know how like, you know what a ring pop is? Remember a ring pop? Or did you ever see the lollipops mm-hmm. that have like a smile on them? So you put the lollipop in your mouth and there's a smile on your face mm-hmm. you've, that's like a popular thing right i mean you've seen that especially you know you have kids instead of, so instead of a lollipop it's just a piece of plastic you hold in your front teeth and the mask is on the stick so you like could walk into a store and just stick it in your mouth but you can't talk that's why i don't think it's really a practical idea so you stick the mask on and what mm. what what day well, no, I'm wondering about i mean the purpose of the mask is to not spread viruses or right. to not contract viruses now you're putting something in your mouth taking it out and it's out in the world and you're yeah, putting you it back rub in your it on mouth. the person you're talking to you say i'm done talking and i'm gonna rub the stick yeah. on your face so, <laughs> so it's gonna need like a little rubbing alcohol alcohol dip yeah. uh, no it's gonna have like the, the thing that you polish your white shoes with 
Do you guys have like you, like the thing <laughs> yeah, you stick in the yeah. white shoe polish? It's like a big cotton yeah. dollop that goes in your mouth. So <laughs> you rub it on somebody's face when you leave. Now the joke is, so it's <laughs> Bob is just smiling sarcastically. <laughs> <laughs> He's like waiting for us to stop being children. <clears throat> the idea is just the stick that goes in your mouth and the mask is over it. It's a dumb idea, but. No, I have an addition. I'm waiting for you to oh, be done. So okay, I can go add ahead. my go. part to the design. Go. You wanted to be able to talk. So instead of having a thing that goes in your mouth, it actually just has two little plugs that go up your nose. So you can just take the whole mask, shove it up your nose, and it's hooked inside your nostrils. You can still talk. It's perfectly good. Okay, so we just, we need to patent that, the three of us. We came up with it together. Give me a full face shield that just hooks into your nostrils. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So it's all clear, except for the parts that shove up your nose. While it's in your nostrils, it's currently taking the, the test. It's, oh, it's doing there the swab. you go. Yeah. That's a really good See, idea. See, that's a whole nother level right there. A, that's there's awesome. DR, there's a DRO on your forehead that says your temperature and everything that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it says six feet. It reminds people six feet. Six feet. That's not six feet. <laughs> no, the point I was making is I Googled, Googled, Excellent. Googled. I couldn't find any ear hooky thing. I found a pair of glasses, like literally, that like go across your eyebrows, go down your nose, and then around your nose. And that becomes the, oh, actually to the bridge of your nose. And then there's a mask that goes over your nose and mouth. But it starts as a set of frames across your eyebrows, just like glasses. And I thought, that's not my invention. Mine comes down like around your jowls and hooks on your ears. And so that's why I went to the patent search. But the patent search resulted in showing five or six versions of it that Mm. have been patented over the last hundred years. So right there, I'm like, you know, this isn't a unique thing. I could market it because the last patent I think is abandoned. I could market it. I could certainly market it, but then my life would be, oh, you're the guy that makes the ear hooky masks. You know, do I want to be that guy? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'd rather be the, my name. I'd rather be the Duresta guy, the guy that puts his names on, his name on all his annoying tools, his annoying mm-hmm. name on all of his tools. <laughs> Did you ever see the movie The Jerk? Sure, yeah. With Steve Martin? Opti- Optigrab. Classic movie. The Optigrab, <laughs> exactly. So um, it was immediately thinking of that in this movie, if anybody hasn't seen it. It's a good but dated movie. Um, if you, he had this thing where he would add this little loop to the, the bridge of glasses that would come down and land on your nose. And so it would keep your glasses in place, but it would also act as a handle. And so you could grab this thing in the center, take your glasses on and off and not have to touch the frames, which is ridiculous. The problem was that it stuck out on everybody's noses and their eyes were drawn to it and everybody got cross-eyed. So <laughs> At the lawsuit, everybody... If you come up that. with a mask that happened to stick things up your nose and take your temperature or things like that, you may want to do some testing. That's all. The funny part in the, in the movie, The Jerk, at the, at the trial, there was a class action lawsuit. Everybody in the, in the courthouse had crossed eyes. They were... Even the judge, yeah. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah. So, All right. Anything else on this rambling kind of topic we ended up on? I, I do think, it, like, when Jimmy mentioned something about coming up with the idea, not being married to it, and and moving on, and not sticking to that idea for, for life, I think there's a whole show there. I mean, because uh, we tend to, like, work on a thing, and then as soon as that video is done with, we're we're divorced from that project and moving on to the next thing and like i think it's easy for us to just move on but if you have this unique idea whether it's an invention or it's a piece of furniture like there can be a healthy and an unhealthy way to be obsessed with this particular thing because it could involve into something else or it could consume you you know yeah i think there's a whole topic there it's uh these, my, I remember my teacher in school said, don't let your inventions become your children because you'll go mad worrying mm-hmm. about them. And, it makes sense. You know, that's a classic inventor thing. Don't let your inventions become your children because it'll drive you, it'll drive you crazy obsessing over who's doing it and you know, feeling dejected, feeling, feeling taken advantage of. You know, like the conversation hmm. started here with the name making it. And, there's always somebody around me, probably with you guys too, that'll be like, isn't that the name of your thing? Like, how did that happen? And then you got to explain the story yeah. to them, just like I did to my friend. But it was, the funny part was like, right away, it's like, oh, you must have made a lot of money on that one. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> <gasps> 
they took advantage of you. I'm like, no, not really. No. Um, but that's another one of those where the answer doesn't really matter. So you could be like, yeah. there you go. Yes, oh. I, made, I made $10 billion. Yeah. That's a good callback right and there. And they'd be like, <gasps> you know. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys figure out what you're going to recommend. And then I'm going to figure out what I'm going to recommend because I didn't plan ahead. <laughs> so uh, big thanks to everybody that helps us out over on Patreon.com slash making it, which is we had first. So no <laughs> other TV shows have a Patreon that have the same name as us. Anyway, patreon.com slash making it. Uh, We're really grateful for everybody that helps us out over there. And they all get the after show at every level. I said a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, that there was an open spot in the list of names. And it was funny because I couldn't remember who asked me to let them know when that spot became available. And so I mentioned it on the show. And then in between the time of recording the show and releasing the show, um, Corey from Make Shape Create found that there was an opening and then got it and then sent me a message that said, oh, I'm glad that I found the opening. So it turned out it was Corey the whole time. Oh. And he got it before oh. the show even went out, which Perfect. was pretty cool. But I also want to say thank you to the people that reached out and said, if the spot is still available, I would like it. I'm sorry that it's not still available. But there are other people that would like to be on that list too, which is super cool. Um, but currently, our top supporters are Odin Leather Goods, Make Shape Create. Thanks. Welcome to the, the Patreon there. Uh, Rich at Lowen Designs, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, You Can Make This Too, Chad for Man Crafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. And there's a big list of other people um, that are, are helping us out, and we're really grateful for every single bit of it. So thank you to you all. If you want to join that, again, go to patreon.com slash making it. Or if you want to help us out just by sharing the show with people you think might enjoy it, that would be awesome as well. Mm -hmm. There you go. Mm -hmm. Um, So, David, do you have something to recommend? I have something, yes. Uh, It is an Instagram account that could lead you to other places, but the Instagram account is called Center for Art in Wood. And it's it's an art gallery uh in philadelphia and they have an amazing instagram account uh everything on there is just super cool and so if you go to their website so i'm for i'm asking you to go check out their instagram and follow them because it's really cool stuff Uh, i've never been to their physical location which someday that is the plan philadelphia is not too far from here um, but if you go to their website, you can see that they have a Twitter and a YouTube channel. So you might want to check out their YouTube channel. The, the, the YouTube channel is it's more about conversations with artists. So this, there'll be this long hour um, video of like a Skype or Zoom interview. But really cool stuff. It's inspiring. And uh, you might it might give you some ideas. So the Center for Art in Wood. Cool. There's a center for uh, metal arts in Pennsylvania somewhere. Oh, huh. I wonder if they're related. It's cool. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to uh, recommend only center because it keeps popping up in my feed, and I haven't had a chance to take a look again. But Lars, Lars Christensen is back making videos, live videos for Fusion 360. He was away for a while, and now he's back. So it's an amazing resource if you're in the middle of doing something and you get a pinch and you can't figure out something i always google and lars is always the top answer almost always so you find yourself cornered in fusion and you know you need a quick answer at two in the morning and no one's around to talk to lars usually has the (laughs) get you out of a pinch solution for real and he actually put out a video recently about the changes in the uh in the fusion 360 personal license because you know there's big uproar recently within people that use Fusion about the changes Autodesk made to the license, the free license. And he did a what I thought was a pretty objective uh, video with somebody, I can't remember the guy's name, somebody from Autodesk that was like higher up on the you know managerial chain about those changes and why they happened and what they actually mean. And I thought it was a really good approach. It clarified a lot of stuff. So if you're curious about that or mad a lot of people got i feel like a little entitled and a little mad about um their free thing not being as useful as it was before but you know this covered a lot of it so you want to go check that out you know it's funny i remember a time and wasn't maybe it was 20 years ago when i got involved with maya and i was learning how to use maya the program which i think it's still people still use it 
Maya's like a was a popular movie used in the movie industry quite a bit to make basically 3D imagery and do you know industrial design and animation. And the license at the time was like twenty thousand dollars, and you could only use it on a PC and. You know, it was really complicated. Yeah. Like I could only use Maya when I was in the classroom at school because I was doing, uh, I was doing night classes at the School of Visual Arts, and the only time I could use it was when I was there. And then I'd go home and I'd forget everything I was learning, and then I'd get all brushed back up a week later, and mm. you know, and then here we are, twenty years later, and this stuff is virtually free. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't this free software, there's multitude others to choose from. You know, that are free that get you. Get yeah. you in the door, you know. That's the cost of entry is free. And then if you wanted to take it further, of course, you get involved in paying for it. But it's—I don't think any of it's nearly as expensive as Maya was at the time. I don't know. Yeah, we when I was in school, it was Softimage. I mean, people were using Maya, but I used Softimage for the same thing, and it was like you could only use it in a lab because there was no version that would be able to run on a home computer or you know whatever. But but you couldn't afford to buy it either because it was insanely expensive it's 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 easy to forget how many thousands of hours are put into making something like fusion 360 yeah and yeah you know do you imagine uh, the corporate group meetings on fusion and all these other <laughs> software zoom calls so Ooh, boy, boy. A, a couple weeks ago i looked into alternatives to see if there was something um that would be useful for like a woodworker and i i and somebody in my position, I don't think there's really any other alternatives. I mean, there's there's SketchUp, but it doesn't do the same things. It doesn't have the parametric stuff. And then there's a there's a newer one. It's like it's an online browser based one, but it's still like you can use it free for so much, and then you got to pay fifteen hundred dollars or twenty five hundred dollars. Like Fusion's still the the best the your best choice, the free yeah. version. And- you know. Lots of people have, you know, because we we have the online course, a lot of people have come to us and said, like, I can't believe you're still, like, promoting Fusion because they took away this and they took away this. But if you look at what actually changed, if that stuff really bothers you, then you should be paying for it. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. This yeah. is, like, a whole discussion. We could have done a show by itself. But, like, if... If if it's a really big deal to you that you don't have four and five axis milling on your CNC machine, like you should be paying for the software. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's that's not like a beginner level or hobbyist level thing. If you have a machine that can do that, then that means you had money for that machine, which means you should probably invest in the right software. Maybe it's not Fusion, but like invest in the thing that does what you need it to do, right? I don't know, whatever. I think I'm a little bit defensive of software development when people just want everything for free because I've been in the position of writing software uh, and getting paid for it and then writing software under the freemium model where you put something in the app store and it's free until people want to buy your in-app purchase, which never pans out as well. And so you put in a huge amount of work and you get very little for it. So I'm a little (laughs) defensive there when people are like, but I want all my stuff for free. Well, it takes work to make the thing that you get for free. So anyway... That's my high horse right over there that I just got off of, and now I'm done. Uh, We can talk about other stuff in the after show, which is going to happen right now after I say my recommendation, because I almost forgot to do that. There's a podcast that I really enjoy called The Unmade Podcast. Have you heard of this? Mm -mm, No. I got one more thing to add as soon as you're done, and I'm sorry. It it reminded (laughs) me of something. you got really excited and then said no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, this this podcast is called The Unmade Podcast. It's by Brady Heron, who does a bunch of different stuff. He does like Hello Internet and uh, Number File and uh, uh, tons of different YouTube channels and everything. And he's an awesome guy. He does this show with his friend Tim, and the entire show is the two of them coming up with ideas for podcasts that they won't ever make. <laughs> and it's really fun because the ideas are super silly and they just basically banter back and forth and kind of poke at each other's ideas. And then they have these weird little uh, segments, like they do Spoon of the Week, where they <laughs> Tim inherited a collection of, of like novelty spoons. And so every week they take one of these spoons and they just talk about how it was made and the art on it and where it came from. And it's that's, surprisingly entertaining. That's amazing. I love that. It's because the two of them are really entertaining together. Huh. I've really enjoyed it. And their ideas for podcasts are like, oh, that that should be a show. Like, that one 
<laughs> that should actually happen. So, unmade podcast is pretty good. All right, what's your your thing? So, uh, a while back, you, one of your picks was Song Exploder, the the podcast. Yeah, which is yeah. absolutely amazing. Like they, they just take a song and they talk to the artist and they break that song apart. Well, it is now a Netflix show. Really? And I thought you should know about it. Whoa! I'm glad you told me because I did not know that. Yep. So there you go. Huh. Now you can. Are they the show. long episodes? I have not watched one yet, um, and I think oh, there's man. the season one only has like four or five. So I, I think they're gotcha. I think they're testing the waters. Cool. Excellent. I'll check that out. All right. You guys got anything else? That's it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, catch you next time. Uh, Thank you.